Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The wait is over. A triple header of fun is upon us this week. Football's in effect. The NBA Finals are here. And the MLB playoffs are in full swing. You might go to some of these games, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything from game spreads, totals to teams, player coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. You are listening to the bird calls on the Armchair All American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search the bird calls, and subscribe today. Welcome to the Bird Calls, and let's end our week with our final episode in our Drew Holiday Trade Package Extravaganza. Uh, I am David Grubb, contributor to the Bird Rights, along with fellow contributors David Fisher and Elliot Clough, and our editor-in-chief, Mr. Ali Cosell. Gentlemen, we've covered Denver, Chicago, Phoenix, Atlanta, Miami, and Golden State. Today, we've got three more as we wrap up, Boston, Brooklyn, and the Indiana Pacers. Before we get into that, the city uniforms are official, gentlemen. Um, your reactions to the Pelicans' new gear, Elliot? I'll let you start. You know, I, I think you know, the initial reaction from everybody was just, "Oh, what are these things?" And they're starting to grow on me. They're not awful. I mean, it, it's not like we're uh, seeing the Swamp Dragon uniforms again or anything like that. But they're okay. They're not bad. I can deal with it. I think it'll grow on me more once we see them on the players, too. All right. Ollie? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much my first reaction, and I tweeted that out. The only thing I don't like, honestly, is the font or the numbers or maybe having, like, say, New Orleans, the Pelicans, something, some kind of writing on the front of the jersey. But other than that, I, I think the colors work fine. I love the shorts. And it looks like when you look at the uh, pictures, the warm-ups, they look like they're going to be looking good, too. So no problems, really, overall. Fish. You know what I'm going to say, man, that's, if you're a Husky guy, that's not a good look. Oh like no, you're it's going to look like color, a kid. <laughs> You're going to have color up on the shoulders and you're going to have color down by your knees. And then from like mm-hmm. mid chest to mid thigh, it's just white. That's, that's an, uh, that's a, an, an, uh, a good uh, reason for Zion to stay fit this season. Right. And so, the, the numbers yeah, are so, so very thin, too. The numbers yes, are super that is true. thin. That is true. Like, that's a super thin number one that they're going to put on right on his stomach. Yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> on his stomach. Everybody's gonna, Aaron Nelson's going to look him dead in the eye as he puts it on every single time. <laughs> yeah, because it's going to be the curvature, in the, the Zion number curvature index. 
Yeah. <laughs> from game to game, we'll be looking at side photos and seeing the angle of that one and if it changes so we can know if he's in shape or not. Yeah, if that one starts bending on his chest, then we're in trouble. Yeah, if it starts to look like um, uh, an, uh, the, um, an accent aigu from French, you know, the, uh, the you get half of it cut off because it's rolling up under his gut, yeah, then that's no good. That's not a good thing. What was that? Hey, David. What were David? What were we laughing about a couple of years ago at, at a game? Was it Solomon Hill coming back and he yes. looked really big? Solomon Hill came yeah, okay. back from injury and it it looked like his jersey had been washed. It looked like that episode of Seinfeld when Costanza got the cotton uniforms and they washed them and shrunk. That's yeah. He looked like he was wearing his son's yeah, it was like uniform. two sizes too small. Yeah, yeah. Like that. he borrowed it from the team store. That's what it looked like. Like it was that tight. You could see his twig and his berries. You know, it was that tight. <laughs> Solomon's Hills were out and about. Um, but I am not a fan of the uniforms. I just, I just, it just doesn't work for me. I, I also think it's funny though when people start putting the fire emoji under them because nobody, even if you kind of like them, no, don't put the fire emoji. Nobody, they're not that. No. They're now, not fire. The the Pelicans came out with that, and then I don't know, like fifteen minutes, thirty minutes later, the San Antonio Spurs were like, "Here's our Fiesta <laughs> uniforms, black," yeah. and it just it housed it. Come on, man. Compared compared to that, let alone, I mean, we were seeing what the Hornets were doing earlier in the week. The mm-hmm. Pelican City uniform is is not good. The only good uniform thing that is likely to come out is if the pelicans came out and said hey remember those earned uniforms that everybody really liked that also kind of had the city flag on them we're going to make those our standard white uniforms because no one likes the original white uniforms no anyways one. no mm-hmm. one does and and just burn the blue ones we should, should never be seen yep. ever yep. ever again mm-hmm. uh, what did you think of our friend um fletcher mackle said that the picture that the pelicans sent uh sent a statement now, the, the four jerseys that were hanging in there, it was Zion, Lonzo, JJ, and Jax. They said, well, they don't have B.I. because he's a uh, free agent, and they don't have Drew because they might trade him. But there are a lot of other Pelicans who are coming back. There's no Josh Hart up there who's a fan favorite. There's, you know, So, I mean, it's like there are players up there who you would expect to see. It do- I don't think that picture means anything. Is that how they, they they set up in the locker room? I mean, I was just going to bring that up, Fish. They don't Ball and like Williamson that. sat next to each other in the locker room. I can't remember who was to the right of Williamson. David, was it Reddick? Yeah, no, I'm looking at it right now. It's it's Ball, Williamson, Reddick, Hayes. No, in the yeah, but I'm talking about what we room, saw last time we attended a in game. In the actual oh, locker room, Jax was, Jax was to, closer to the front last year. Jax was Jax all the way was, to the left. Drew was all the way yeah. on the right side. And Drew was always in the corner. Who was, and who then, was in the right corner? I think it was Darius Miller, right? Drew and Darius who? were in that corner. They had the it was because Darius lived in the Kentucky corner <laughs> that we used to call it. Remember, we used to call it Kentucky corner. And oh, Drew. that's right. Yes, yes. Because it, it was yeah, four Drew straight was next Kentucky to each guys. On the right Drew. wall. Yep. Yeah. So, like, it doesn't to me. This doesn't really. It doesn't mean anything. I think they just wanted a, a cross section of jerseys. Yeah, to yeah. the left of ball was B.I., I just remembered, but it's the picture cuts that off, so we can't see. 
Right. I, I just, you know, you set them up, you grab them. And I mean, who knows if those might've been the guys who were in the building taking their individual mm-hmm. shots in the uniforms that day. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, so exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't read anything to it. So I, I think it's, it's a little, I think people are reading so many yeah, headlines. Griff now would not do something anything. like that. I'm sorry. They yeah. would not do shade. something intentional. Yeah. Like that. No, that's a tell and a shade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No need yeah. to read it. Do it. No. No, but people will, and that's the thing. Is like, what? But I, what I don't like though is, and and you know, we all like Fletcher, but I don't like that. That's kind of stoking it and saying it's intentional. That's not our role to say it is in that in that point. You know what I mean? Like, unless you've got something that says it is, I think from a journalistic standpoint, I wouldn't say it. That's just me. Okay, so we're gonna. You got Boston, Brooklyn, and the Pacers today. We're going to start with Boston, and since Elliot is the only one who had not been tasked with uh, setting up a team, and Boston has emerged as a name, um, Elliot, you shall have the floor, my friend, uh, and and present your Boston Celtics best and optimal, your most logical, and then your most optimal trades. All right, so. I have two trades, and I think I don't know. Um, I, I didn't necessarily go for for the most logical, most optimal. I think they're both logical, mm-hmm. and I think they're both optimal. So okay. you guys can take your pick here, but um, I'll start off. First one is Kemba, and should they acquire a top ten pick? Which one way or another, I think they can figure that out. So Kemba plus a top ten pick, wherever that ends up being for Drew. And the second one is Marcus Smart, Romeo Langford, Daniel Tice, that top 10 pick, and then for Drew Holiday and the 13th pick. All right. So, Ollie, in this case, I will let you be um, David uh, Griffin. And so, Danny Ainge just called you. And these are the two deals you put on the table. And I'm laughing about the first one because (laughs) – if you don't want to keep Holiday for financial reasons, you know, obviously extending him, then why would you want to bring in Kemba, who's got three years left on his deal? I know his last one's a player option, but he's also making about $35 million plus over those final three years each season. So, like I said, same age point guards, but Kemba's actually got more troubling injury history with his knees. So, I just personally – feel like boston basically threw his name out there because that's who like their experts their fans all their followers would prefer send packing from you know that roster that kind of makes sense and they're saving gordon hayward to send to indiana for miles turner so no i don't buy that this deal is going to be structured right around Kemba for drew and then pelicans are going to be happy with just like say the number six through atlanta or maybe some other uh pick in that area and here's one more thing people don't understand. Do you think Boston's really even interested in having to pay a 15% trade kicker by moving Kemba to New Orleans? You know, people in Boston, they have kind of taken a step back and looked at it. They also say it would send a bad message because you just brought in Kemba. You hyped him up just a year ago. And Danny Ainge doesn't want kind of that image of, you know, okay, things went south after one year. We're going to ship you out. So I heard that that's also in play. So, Ollie, no, I, real I just quick, don't Ollie, buy I just that want to trade, guys. Yeah, Ali, I just want to second off your point, too, is remember what Anthony Davis's father used against the Celtics publicly about their treatment of Isaiah Thomas. So if you go back on this and you say, well, look, this is a repeated mm-hmm. pattern when, in Boston that they are just using you as a chip 
to get something else, then yeah, I think that that and then like you said, the money alone, one hundred and eight million dollars over the next three years for Kimball Walker at the age of thirty, yeah, no. I mean, if Griff, like I say, he's talked about flexibility, this is almost got to be a no-go unless Kemba can be routed somewhere else and then the Pelicans get an expiring or something else, right? So, yeah, I'm canceling that first one. Ellie, what was your second one? I think that we would probably give it a thumbs up because I heard Marcus Smart's name and no Kemba's. <laughs> yes, Marcus Smart, Romeo Langford, Daniel Tice. Let's say it's the sixth pick or something like that. And then in exchange for Drew Holiday and the 13th pick. Yeah, I think that sounds very doable. Um, I don't know what everybody's salaries are, how long they last, but I can't imagine Tice or Langford being any kind of impediment. Tice so, is expiring. I, 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 yeah, Tice is expiring. Langford has three uh-huh. years, three point six million, and uh that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, you know, I think Smart's a steal. What is he making? Like twelve, thirteen, fourteen, something like 13, that? And he's 13. under contract for another couple of years. Two years, yep. Yeah, and he's exactly the guy you feel like they want to bring in this locker room, right? Or at least one of those type of guys. You, they want somebody vocal in that locker room. So Smart would be perfect. So, yeah, no qualms with me on this. They have to re-sign Tice, though, wouldn't they? Yeah, he's on an expiring deal. He's he's on a, a one-year-left $5 million. Right, okay, okay. So, so yeah, he's a contract okay. coming out. Mm-hmm. I mean, is I one, or, or, or do we have another opinion on that? Or otherwise, no, I'm just, just uh, no, I'm just trying to think myself is that, yeah, the salary for smart makes sense. I mean, that's, that works there. It's just, yeah, it's just, you, you still just don't have a primary there, ball handler on the floor. So unless you're going to get one from somewhere, you got to know where you get a real ball handler from in the half court probably going to be in that top 10 i mean i, I if they don't go okongwu they're probably going to go uh hayes there so yeah they have to, to get a point guard they'd have to know they're getting that point guard right. so that would mean somebody's got to they'd have to have an arrangement to make that tr- pick and I, that to me that means that that tr- that that trade could not happen until draft night you know right, exactly have yeah. to, as the picks fall down <laughs> Right. And, and, or they, you know, the name that I brought up a decent amount, not a ton on my podcast, but it, it's DJ Augustine pursue him like hell. Obviously that's going to be in free agency. So it'll be post draft, but um, I, I think he'd be excellent in an SPG system. My guy is Trey Burke. Okay. I mean, like, I think Trey, like that's just me. And I'm, I'm not saying it against DJ Augustine. Sure I just enough. think I like, I like Burke. Um, and, and my position on Burke has been just, he can score He's been he's shown the ability to to run an offense, and you know you could play him on or off ball at times. Um, I think he's a more consistent scorer than DJ Augustine. But that if that's not what you're asking for, if you're asking for DJ, yeah, to do something completely different, I just don't want to get the Jameer Nelson that the Pelicans got, you know, <laughs> at yeah. the end of his career. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. not being mm-hmm. that tight right now, getting sidetracked. Yes, I'm sorry. So <laughs> you're right. Thank you for reining me in. So now, Fish, you are Danny Ainge, and you've so from your perspective as a Celtics, um, you know, what do you think of those deals? Um, at, on the Celtics end, um, we're heartless. We don't care. Um, I mean, <laughs> Kemba Walker, he's the biggest free agent signing the franchise has ever had, and we'll ship him out in a year because. 
I mean, the only players that we we have any feelings about right now are Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. That's it. All the rest of them are just assets with contracts that bounce basketballs. Um, on on Boston side, I think they would rather ship off Walker than Smart because Drew Holiday oh, is sure. <laughs> just a different version of Smart. He's he's more capable offensively, but I mean, you can put you can put smart on power forwards. Like you, he he will guard anyone that you put in front of him. And we've already seen Drew Holiday. Once you get bigger wings and stuff like that, it comes a problem. Now, at the same time, I mean, it's just they're spending a lot at that point to take on more salary, and then they still don't have a center answer, especially mm-hmm. if they're including Tice. So if I'm Boston, what I'm doing is I'm calling up Indiana and I'm saying, how do you feel about Gordon Hayward? And yeah, those rumors are flying. (laughs) And if you, how do you feel about Gordon Hayward and is either, can we obtain Miles Turner here in Boston so that we have a center answer? And then we will be substantially more willing to ship out Tice as well. And if we can ship out Gordon, Gordon Hayward and Tice, and we get Turner and Holiday. Then what else do we need to do to make it happen? Um, that obviously gets funky on the salary capped end of things. Or can you route Turner to New Orleans, and they'll be happy, and we'll keep Tice. So the only outstanding, the only outgoing contract on Boston's side would be Gordon Hayward. If you were Indiana, would you ask for Robert Williams instead? Because you're giving up a big and the and if they're getting a starting center, I would you know you you'd want somebody again who maybe can protect the rim. Some Williams played very solid for them as a rookie. Would he be more attractive to you? Would you say, well, I gotta have yeah, give me Tice and Williams in that case because I'm taking on thirty four million dollars in salary here. I'd push back on Williams, but we could do Hayward and Tice to indiana and then we'll take on holiday and then from there we're going to package all those first round picks to try to give um new orleans the the prime asset they're looking for in in terms of a a high level pick how does indiana get their relief though because like i mean they're Mm -hmm. giving out double the salary you know i mean taking on double the salary to bring in hayward you know mm-hmm. how to how do they mitigate that? Because there's gonna they're gonna have to send something else out in that regard. Um, who was gonna Who was gonna present Indiana today? Was me? that me? No, I'm right. Pacers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm just trying to. I'm not trying to reveal nothing from my side. I'm just saying. <laughs> Because if, if you're gonna I mean, call me, honestly, all all three of all three of these teams, I think, are related because mm-hmm. Indiana. And, and to a certain degree, Atlanta are potential, you know, third team facilitators. Yep. Okay. So then let's move. But real quick, do you guys yeah. do you guys buy that Griffin would at all take Kemba Walker? That's I one just thing don't I'm curious to hear. I don't see. Yeah. That. So would it have to be smart then? It has to be. Or, yeah. You, it's yeah. got to be the pick yeah. again. The pick is going to be the most important part of that. 
pick is going to be huge. They're going to need. But to remember get what it. Griff was supposedly rumored. He wants at least a good young player and a pick. He he preferred two good young players, but I think he would take just smart and the pick, right? Yeah, it could be just smart and a pick, or if Boston finds a way to get Hayward taken by Indiana, if mm-hmm. it's Turner and then a pick, I think um, I think um, David Griffin walks away quite happy with that situation as well. If yeah, I that's can, what I was thinking too. If I can talk on the Walker thing, mm-hmm. so the reason I saw that first, I, that was one of the first rumors that I saw about who they'd be willing to give up. Um, but looking at basketball reference for for Kemba Walker in terms of his health he's played 60 plus games in every single season that he's played not counting 2019-2020 because it was a shortened season 56 games he started off 56 and if you bring in Walker and get like the sixth pick overall and somehow Onyeka Kungwu falls that low one you're you're getting defense that way who we mentioned uh, Onyeka Kungwu possibly being a defensive player of the year in the future so you got a core uh, of center or excuse me, a core of uh, Williams, Brandon Ingram, assuming, you know, they sign him to a max, which would be like freaking crazy if they didn't. Um, and then a Kyung Woo under the basket. And then you're making up for losing uh, uh, Drew. So you got a starting point guard right there in Kemba, who is a better scorer, has averaged more than, I think, 25 points a game. Let's see here. Sorry, just once, but he's averaged more than 20 points a game uh, every year since 2015. So you're making up for the scoring. I think he's a pretty decent complement to Williams and, and Brandon Ingram on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you'd have to find a shooting guard one way or another, whether that's through free agency or, or what have you. But I, I think if you get a Kung Wu at the center position or, I don't know, Wiseman falls. Wiseman's not as good of a defender. But um, I, I, I think it could pan out fairly well. Obviously, the salary is an issue. Um, but he is on that player option, and if it doesn't go well, he can decline that player option. Preferably, that's a club option, but it is a player option. Um, so I, I don't think it's the end of the world, and if it doesn't necessarily work super well offensively, like like Ollie said, you can try to flip him. No, I can see. I can, I can definitely see the argument for Kemba because Kemba will <laughs> operate in the, in the half court. And that's something that the Pelicans desperately need. Like he can, he can make the offense passable more than passable. I mean, he can be the engine of your half court offense. Um, I guess my concern with Kemba is largely defensive because the Pelicans are a bad defensive team as currently constructed. And if you take away Drew holiday and you add in Kemba Walker, it's gotten measurably worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my second concern um with adding Kemba Walker, not just on defense is the fact that now you just added a guy who's only six foot tall, isn't going to contribute on the boards. Brandon Ingram's about an average defender. I mean, rebounder for his position so far, Zion Williamson on the defensive glass is a well below um, rebounder. So, I mean, you're creating more holes than you're solving. You're just saying we need to fix the half court offense, which I get that. I, I get that approach, but at the same time, when I'm looking at the Pelicans, offense is not the priority in, in a general case. We can we can just lean heavily on Brandon Ingram, make him much more of a creator, get the ball in his hands more, and um, 
you know, feed Zion Williamson more. There, there's there's options there on offense. I, I, and that's one of the things that frustrates me on Twitter is that everyone's just focused on offense, offense, offense. And I'm like, you know, offense isn't the problem for New Orleans right now. The problem is they're, they're, they lack options defensively. They, there are massive holes on the team, team defensively, and they need to start building that team around their cornerstones of Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. Kemba Walker is not how you do that. Any final thoughts on that, on the Celtics? That's a fair argument, too. I, I'm, I'm totally with you guys. I understand why you wouldn't be for it. And, and defense is definitely a, a primary issue. Defense in that contract, absolutely. So, so I definitely understand both sides of it. Yeah, especially with Lonzo's deal coming up, if you do bring him back and Hart's deal, you know, again, it just it starts to make it really difficult to keep the young players that you like um, in exchange, essentially, for Kimball Walker's deal and go into an uncertain economic future with that almost 40 million dollars a year hung up on a plus 30 year old. Um, Okay, so we move on to Indiana. Well, before we do that, let's let's vote it up or down, vote, vote it up or down. I will start with you. Um, how likely do you think the Celtics are as a trade partner, either, either as a two-team or as a facilitator for a three-team, and how preferred are they for you as a destination or a partner? I think it's one of the likeliest, probably in my top three of being a likely deal uh, or involved in a deal with the Pelicans. And I've got to think Straight up or as with a three-team? Their asset- Probably a three-teamer, you know. It just seems like that's what it's going to be with most teams involved for Drew Holiday to me. All right. And then as preferred, where do they sit for you? You said likely Oh, they're up at the top. They're at the top, yeah. Because, I mean, if you can grab a decent player like – or I should say a good player like Smart and then walk away with a pick upgrade, I think that's the best you can hope for. Fish, if they don't get the pick – like the, for this whole thing, it hinges on the pick. Would you say, with Boston, yes. a lot of it does, but uh, still, a lot of it hinges on what what are they going to put on the table or what third team are they going to route Hayward to? Pretty much exactly. because Hayward's the most likely. And last for Elliot, um, what is your thought? You know, just in looking at it, is it likely? And uh, what do you like? You know, do you like working with Boston? I do. I think it's going to be more likely to be, I mean, it's just going to be a three team trade more than likely with any of these teams that we've brought up. Um, And I think so far of the teams that I've listened to one of the other two podcasts that I wasn't on, but um, I think this is going to be the most likely of the two team trades that we talked about so far. Um, And I think it's got to be Marcus uh, rather than, than Kemba. So uh, I, I like it. And I think it's, fairly likely becomes all that more likely once you start factoring in third teams like the Pacers or, or possibly, I don't know how the Nets would work in here, but uh, definitely the Pacers. All right. Well then let's move to the Pacers. Um, something, a team that the Pelicans have had their eye on for quite some time. And that centers around miles Turner, um, both, I guess, figuratively and literally. Um, so I have two deals. One is a basic two-team deal, the other three-team. In the two-team, the Pelicans give up Drew, and the uh, Pacers give up Turner and Doug McDermott. Um, Picks don't change hands um, because it's not really, you know, it's no gain 
for the Pelicans, obviously, and giving that pick away. And I don't think it's the Pacers would want the Pelicans 13. It may have to be a pick in another year um, for for uh, for that deal if the Pacers want a pick. I don't think they'd want this year's Pelicans pick. They might want to cha- trade into for one of the Lakers picks down the road or something like that. But that would be my thought on that one. Um, the three-team is between the Pacers, the Pelicans, and the team we're talking about next, the Brooklyn Nets. And this is Alex Golden, um, who covers the Pacers. Um, he threw this one at me, and, and I was intrigued by it. So in this deal, the Pacers would get Drew Holiday, Torian Prince. Um, <clears throat> the Pelicans would get Spencer Dinwiddie and Miles Turner. And the Nets would get Victor Oladipo, TJ McConnell, and the Pels send them a second-round pick. So in this exercise, Elliot, you get to be um, the Pacers, and we'll start with you. All right. Well, um, let's see here. Sorry, I was writing down everything to make sure I keep track. The first one, I am taking that in a heartbeat. That way you have your primary center and you've got it done. You don't have to worry about doing the, the twin tower thing with Turner and Sabonis. You got Sabonis. He's your guy going forward. And, and you bring in Drew. You have the trifecta of the holidays, assuming they bring back Justin Holiday. You've got your point guard in, in Malcolm Brogdon. You got McConnell. Um, and whether or not Oladipo's statement today through Shams Sharani is true, he wants to stay around. He's still got Depot. Um, and that's a pretty solid backcourt. You probably have to play Depot at the at the three and Drew at the two, along with Brogdon at the one or, or something like that. That's kind of a small ball situation. Um, but I'm I'm not upset about getting rid of Doug McDermott and uh, moving on from Turner. You got Drew. I, I'm with it. Um, from the, yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, it's just uh, you know I think yeah it, it probably leads to a second deal for. For Oladipo, I think that they want to move him with that. Um, but you also still, yeah, your wing is not bad with Justin Holiday, and you could play Warren at the three or the four, and you you know, and, and you have Sabonis, and you have some flexibility. And they um, have Jeremy they Lamb do. too, who's a good yeah, player. Yep. who played much better last year. Um, so you know, even if you move Oladipo, that's still a very solid group. Yeah, and if you get Gordon Hayward in exchange for Oladipo, yeah. there you go. So that, that's that's a pretty solid move from from the Pacers' perspective. Now the second move, um, I'm gonna look at it here. So Holiday and Prince to the Pacers, yep. Dinwiddie and Turner to the Pelicans, and Oladipo, McConnell, and a pick to uh, the Nets. Now the lore here for me, and just presenting it, let me just say the lore. Uh, and explaining for the Nets, it would be that both of those deals are expiring for Oladipo and McConnell, and it allows them to get some cap space off for guys who, you know, in in Dinwiddie, who who they probably won't sign to an extension, and you get Prince off the de- off the contract to you know free up money there as well. And for Brooklyn, it helps them with their long term being able to add another star maybe next year. Okay. The issue for me from the Pacers perspective, if they really love Gordon Hayward is that's off the table because you don't have pieces necessarily to go get him. At least as far as I can see, I'm looking at the roster right now, Mm -hmm. unless you want to give up Malcolm Brogdon um, to go get Gordon Hayward. I don't necessarily see how you work that out or or if you're willing to give up TJ Warren plus, I don't know, picks or 
or Doug McDermott or, or something to that effect, you're, you're out of the Gordon Hayward sweepstakes. So, so that could be an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you love the acquisition of Drew. Torian's just a complimentary piece. You got your small forward in, in TJ Warren there. Um, and Torian could play a second unit sort of role. Again, you got Jeremy Land there too. Um, but the acquisition of Drew is great. Again, you move on from Turner, which is not a problem. No problem with getting rid of that second round pick. Uh, that was from the Pelicans, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it depends on how they feel about Gordon Hayward. I'm not near as high on Gordon Hayward anymore. I mean, after that injury, he just hasn't been the same player. And so I think from my perspective, this is this is good to go here too. I, I, I love having that that trifecta of holidays. I think that's that's huge for them. Um and, and I think you got sort of the the clunk out, the the junk out of your roster. It's a little bit more smoother. I think the locker room moves a little bit better. Drew is a, a soft spoken guy. I don't know who your leader is, if it's if it's Malcolm Brogdon or Demontis Sabonis, but um I, I, I'm good with both, if I'm gonna be honest. I, I can roll with both at both as a GM of the Pacers. So so Ali, I'll let you be um, no, actually, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you be uh, the Pelicans this time since Fish is going to be presenting for the Nets. I'll get his comment from that perspective as we move into him on the Nets. So I'll let you be the Pelicans in these circumstances. Well, um, getting Miles Turner, I know that the Pelicans actually did have interest in him previously. So obviously it makes sense. They got a big hole at center. They've got a billet. Um, but now I just feel like you know, if you look at what's happening now with all the news that's basically come out last few weeks or so, it feels like they're allowing a, a, con- a contender that's basically, you know, ready to win and win a lot. Like, say, the Celtics grab Miles Turner and they're going to settle for, you know, a pick. Right. So I feel like that's become the major focus for uh, David Griffin. So suddenly I don't know if Indiana's as viable. So if I'm David Griffin and I see that I'm getting Spencer Dinwiddie, Miles Turner. I don't feel like that's given me the potential that I'm honestly seeking, right? You, you've really made it well known that you do want some, you're valuing some kind of, some kind of name here in, in this draft lottery. So you need that pick. So I, I don't know. I, I'm torn on it. If I'm, if I'm strictly looking at it through David Griffin's lens, I probably wouldn't do the deal, even though it, it's a good one. I think the pace or excuse me, the Pelicans win. They're getting the best end of this three team deal, especially right. So, mm-hmm. but just getting Turner by himself. Yeah, I could still, I guess I could see it. If there's nothing else better, I, I actually like him better for the long term than say grabbing something from Brooklyn where you're basically stuck with Jared Allen. So I guess, yeah, I'm just not that me, enamored with Indiana anymore as a trade partner. I don't think not, not for one-on-ones anyways. Let me just run through some things on Turner real quick. Cause I had, you know, I just wanted to make sure and, <clears throat> and, and look at it. So for the last three seasons, the average for miles Turner has been his offensive rebounding percentage is, is a little bit less than you'd like, but I think that's a function of the way he, the, the, the role he has in Indiana, but his defensive rebounding percentage over 20%, his total rebounding percentage over 13%, his block percentage, almost 7%. His win shares for 48 is um, a point one, two, seven is uh he's 54% as a mid range shooter, 36% from three. And he's averaging 124 blocks per season in his career. Last year favors Hayes, uh, Melly, Okafor, and Zion totaled 155 blocks. Hmm. 
I wonder what his paint defense overall was like. That's one thing I have not looked in a He's while. He's had a so very solid um, uh, gap between in his net rating. He's been very solid with that. Um, and the, I, what I like, too, is he doesn't foul much. I know he's improved. No, that he does not. Career, so that would be big. Yeah, so, I mean, like, his last three seasons, I think, um, I mean, he's had, yeah, he's had very good net ratings. His advanced numbers are extremely solid. It's just, you know, yeah, you'd like to see his offensive rebound he's numbers come player. up. He's a solid player, yeah. He's a solid um, But player. as a center. And, and he fits next to Zion. I guess we should mention more positives, right? He does. Yeah, that, I mean, the Zion. shot blocking alone and the, the defensive rebounding, at 20%, yeah. that's just behind what Favors put up last year on defensive rebounding. Favors right. at 22. So, you know, I mean, you know, Favors is going to be like 24. So, yeah, you're taking care of that at 18 million a year. That's not a, that's a pretty good deal. I In think. this market, when they're talking about giving 17, 18 to Hassan Whiteside, and you Let can me jump get, in on that real quick yeah, on, on his, his rim protection numbers, which is um not just shot blocking right but his ability to contest shots and the you know this is what I wanted defensive to hear. field goal number um his is at 53% this last season Ooh, that's um, a little higher with, well no you you got to that's 16th in the league among big men who are challenging a lot of shots and he does um, challenge a lot um so so that's average some, starter um well i mean for instance anthony davis was at 51.8 um, Serge Ibaka was at 52.1. Steven Adams was at 53.7. So he's kind of in that range. Um, and then the fact that, I mean, he's a he's a vastly greater shot blocker than than a lot of those mm-hmm. guys at this point in ca- his career. I mean, other than pretty much the guys in, in Milwaukee, Giannis and um, Brooke Lopez, every other big man in the league is above 50%. Like, Gobert was at 50.2 and 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 Miles Turner's was at 53%. And his block Um, percentage was top five. Hey Fish, out of curiosity, what was Sabonis? I'm just curious. Sabonis, like I only took a screenshot of like the top 20. He's not, he's not in the list. (laughs) So, I mean, Miles Turner is, I mean, there are concerns. Some people have concerns that like he does have the defensive rebounding numbers but he isn't a terribly aggressive defensive rebounder. Um, and he isn't a positive in terms of his impact um, on the Pacers when he was playing. When he mm-hmm. went off the court, they were a better re- defensive rebounding team. And you might look at that and say, he's not a very good defensive rebounder. I look at that and I know how the Pacers do their rotations. And I say, when he's not on the floor, Sabonis is. And Sabonis is a monster. Mm -hmm. on the defensive glass so i mean sometimes when you're looking at that number that kind of context matters like he's not as good of a defensive rebounder as demonis sabonis there's a lot of room between not as good as sabonis and like going downward before you reach like average like you're still good at that point um and there's a lot of growth potential there too on his defensive abilities and that's one of the other things I wanted to say is that his defensive, um, like three years ago, he had a lot of blocks, but his defensive protection numbers at the rim, not as good. Two seasons ago, he brought it down to 55.4. Last season, he brought it down to 53. He's young. He's showing year over year over the last three years, his defensive numbers at the rim are increasing. And like both of you have mentioned, he's doing that without fouling, which is something that mm-hmm. Stan Van Gundy would love. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I, I guess some people say, well, you're paying essentially market rate for Miles Turner in terms of his contract. His, his contract isn't a bargain, but you're not overpaying for him. He's, I mean, how many seven foot can defend the rim and stretch the floor and stay on the court? guys are there in the nba like how many of those actually exist because that's what when you look at the pelicans and you're building around brandon ingram and zion williamson that's what you need so considering the specific needs of your cornerstones shouldn't you be willing to pay a little bit more in terms of sending drew holiday out if you can get miles turner and solve that equation which honestly the previous regime never solved the equation of Anthony Davis doesn't want to play center. Zion Williamson can't play center. I mean, he can play it in short bursts. Not yet. He can play it in short bursts, but, you know, to, to begin the first quarter, to begin the third quarter against, you know, good centers, he, he's, he's not, he's not the rim protector we expected him to be yet. Um, he's not nearly that force on the defensive glass that I had hoped he was going to be yet. Um, and maybe that some of that is schematic and Stan Van Gundy is going to say, Hey, let's not, let's prioritize getting the defensive rebound before we prioritize the highlight plays and Zion throwing three quarter length passes. So 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control, but there is one thing you can control. And that's shaving your bush. Look, there's no need to be coy about it. You deserve to smell fresh and look great in all the right places. And Manscaped is here to help. They've got the Lawnmower 3.0, a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost. The ceramic blade and skin safe technology is designed to reduce nicks and tugs on your fellas down low. It's waterproof, comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, the dark, or in the dark shower, whatever floats your boat. They've got the Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add on. It's a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. You can pluck eyebrows or trim nails in style. There's also the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. This will help you tame that summer swamp ass with natural hydrators and antioxidants. There's the Crop Reviver. It's a testy toner that's like having cologne that is designed for your balls. We won't judge if we catch you sniffing yourself. Go to manscaped.com and check out some of these life-changing products. In fact, listeners of this show will get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front trunk. The wait is over. A triple header of fun is upon us this week. Football's in effect. The NBA Finals are here. And the MLB playoffs are in full swing. You might go to some of these games, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything from game spreads, totals, to teams, player, coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Oh. <clears throat> Um, but to me, when I'm looking at the Pelicans, can you solve the center position? Can you get somebody there that you can trust is very high on the list? Because if you answer that question, building the rest of the roster becomes very easy. And this is one of the things that you just have to deal with building around Zion Williamson is if your best player is a power forward, who do you play at center? 
becomes a massive question mark in the NBA and how it how it the trajectory and how the game is played at this point. And you have yeah, to but here's one thing question. we got to bring up just because of the news that's been relevant. And I love everything you said, David, but it more concerns from Indiana's point of view. They know, and Victor Oladipo especially knows, he has to rehab his image, right? So he's going to stick around, it sounds like, at least till the trade deadline. They've got Malcolm Brogdon. So I don't really see Drew Holiday fitting in with those two. I know that they can play. There's a couple of guys that can play small forward in a pinch. But to me, if I'm Indiana, I would rather have Gordon Hayward soaking up those minutes as small forward. You know, Drew Holiday going to Indiana was a lot more alluring when we all thought, honestly, Oladipo was out of there. So now I'm just, you know, from that point of view with what we know now, it just doesn't seem as likely, right, guys? Of Indiana wanting Drew, basically, and for a two-team deal at least being really on the table. Yeah, I'm, I've, I think it has to be a three-team at this point because of what you're saying because they want they would have to want to add some depth at the small forward spot. Um but again, if you if the Pelicans can get Turner in this deal, I think it's even better than getting a top 10 pick in this draft because you're getting a 24 year old who's got five years of NBA experience, who has played in the playoffs each year of his career is going to be significantly stronger than what, than putting Jackson Hayes back out there again to try to, to figure out if he's going to be strong enough to play center minutes. And this guy who played 30 minutes a night in the league. So, I mean, like, yeah, if. I see what you're saying. I absolutely understand it. That's why I think, you know, if you can facilitate a three and it may even take four teams to make the deal work um, for everybody to be happy. But if anybody could figure it out, I think it would be those four front offices because those are mm-hmm. all very astute GMs. The thing about Turner too, is he's on this contract that, that fish brought up for three more years. So you get him this season, the season after that in 2022, 2023, you're paying him $17 million and that, that's not breaking the bank by any means for a good center, a top eight center in the NBA um, that fits your your scheme and is complementary to Zion and, and to Brandon Ingram. I, I take that 10 times out of 10. All right, so let's vote quickly up and down on this one. Likelihood or and uh, pre- preference. Elliot, you could go first. Likelihood high, low, and preference. Um, I'm going to say high if there's a third team involved again. I mean, it, we'd kind of have record here, but uh, it, it's got to probably involve a third team, whether it be the Nets or the Celtics or maybe the Nuggets, uh, whoever it ends up being. I'm going to say fairly high, um, if, if especially if a third team's in there. Um, and, and I like it. If you end up with, with Miles Turner in it, I, I like it a lot. And I mean – this scenario doesn't necessarily look like you're getting that top 10 pick, but Pels can figure it out, whether that be free agency or or, or in the draft at 13. Can you get a a combo guard at 13 or or maybe Tyler Lewis falls? Uh, I I think it works out and and I like it. Um, Fish. Um, Likelihood as the destination for Drew Holiday, I think it's, it's quite low, actually, just because of the number of guards that Indiana already has on the roster. It makes it very difficult for them to figure out a number of other moves. Um, likelihood, if Indiana's the third team and Indiana's getting something else from someone else and then Miles um, Turner's coming to New Orleans, I would think is quite high, um, depending on how New Orleans evaluates Miles uh, Turner and his fit on this team. Um my, my desire of, to obtain Miles Turner um, has diminished a little bit 
Um, but I, I would still be very high on that. So, um, I mean, Indiana as a trade partner is in my, is in my top three. I think Ali, we got you on, on, you just went through your thoughts. So we'll leave that. Yeah. And I agree with everything that fish said, except for that last line, I wouldn't have them in my top three, I think maybe top five, but that's it. Everything else. I love it. I love exactly. And I think exactly the same way David does on this whole scenario. All right, Fish, so we turn it over to you to to wrap with us with the Nets, the team that has been the one that is more often than not been tied to the Pelicans, the one that people have salivated over. Um, so let's see what you got, man. Um, so I'm going to go over quickly what the Nets have to offer. Um, I was listening actually to a couple Brooklyn Nets-centric podcasts from Brooklyn Nets fans, um, and those Nets fans – one of the things I thought was interesting was they said, considering the the trajectory of their team, while a lot of the national media says, "Oh, hold on to Karis Levert because you know for for the for the Bradley Beal, right?" Um, mm-hmm. Their perspective was considering the fact of how little the ball is going to be in his hands now, and his general health history, the Nets should cash in. Now is the time to cash in on Levert. And if that means you get Drew Holiday, great, because Drew Holiday's a superb fit with our other two franchise cornerstones in Kyrie Irving and um, and Kevin Durant. Um, when I'm looking at the Nets, Levert has to be included, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I want Levert on the Pelicans. Um, outside of that, uh, the next asset on the table for Brooklyn would be um, Jared Allen. I was talking about those defensive um, rim protection numbers. Jared Allen last year was 10th in the league at uh, 51.7. The year before that, he was 12th in the league. The year before that, he was 11th in the league. He's a superb uh, rim protector. He's massive. Like he is a huge human being with a huge wingspan and a lot of times as Pelicans fans when we were watching the team last year you got to realize that wow Derek Favors really is six foot nine and that makes a difference um and he looked a little slow but it'd be nice to have somebody that's a legitimate seven footer out there who can really protect the rim because Derek Favors came off as as being too small a number of times just just too short not long enough to challenge something um, so those are the two big headliners. And then they have other things that help match salary, depending on who else is coming out. Um, I, I expect in listening to, um, Brooklyn Nets fans that they would prefer to keep all, keep a hold of Spencer Dinwiddie because Spencer Dinwiddie isn't just their sixth, sixth man engine off the bench. He's also their Kyrie Irving insurance policy. Um, so I think that they will want to keep keep on to Spencer Dinwiddie at a higher rate than they might even um, Karis LeVert. And then they have um, a couple Europeans who are, I don't know, a couple jars of mayonnaise. And then um, they have the 19th pick um, in this draft to offer up. Um, The the two-team trade that I would outline would be Drew Holiday goes to um, Brooklyn. Brooklyn sends back Levert, Allen, um, had lost his first name, Prince, um, no picks. The, that would be it. Um, I'm not a huge fan about that, um, but I think that's how a two-team 
deal would work. A three-team deal gets more interesting because if they're routing Karis LeVert either to Indiana or Atlanta, which are the two teams I think that um, LeVert makes the most sense on, Mm -hmm. they send LeVert to either of those teams, and then those teams send prettier assets to the Pelicans. Then the... Um, then Brooklyn needs to add more salary to match because they're, I can't remember if the trade's likely to push them into the tax area, especially after they re-sign um, Joe Harris. So they need to uh, attach enough salary and just Jared Allen to, um, to Karis Levert isn't going to be enough. But if they attach, um, if they accept the team option on Garrett Temple, then they can include his $5 million salary into this trade and the salaries even out. Garrett Temple, if he's included in the trade and it's a three-team trade, including Atlanta, I think Atlanta would like to have Garrett Temple because they don't have a reserve point guard. That's one of the answer questions that they want to answer. Um, so you could send both Levert and um, Temple to Atlanta. If, if Temple's going to be included and you're doing a three-team trade with Indiana, I think Temple makes a lot of sense coming to New Orleans. New Orleans also needs a reserve point guard. That's that's a question still on the roster. Um, in either of those three team scenarios where you have Levert essentially going to either Indiana or Atlanta, um, if he goes to Indiana, it's a very simple dollars dollars for dollar. Levert goes into Indiana, and then Miles Turner comes to New Orleans. If Levert is headed to Atlanta then Atlanta has a massive amount of cap space. They're also accepting Garrett Temple. And then they would be sending out um, some combination of, of the sexy fun assets, which would be the sixth pick and um, Herter, the, the, the wing from their team. So I'm kind of giving you guys two different three-team um, arrangements. Um, I actually wrote a piece that included um, a lot of those pieces for a three-team trade. Actually, I think that one was a four-team trade. Um, but those are kind of the options. So take it away. Before I pass it on to you, the other guys, as Indiana, I would just say I'd rather have Levert. Like, to me, that he would fit them better than, than I think, even than Atlanta, because Atlanta, you're getting another six seven guy, and you're trying to give those minutes to, you know, Cam Reddish and to um, – um, dang, why am I forgetting his name? DeAndre, right. DeAndre Hunter. 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 So yeah, I think that like another six, seven guy who's kind of, you know, who's who also wants to to attack the rim with Trey Young. I mean, I, I, yeah, I think Levert could work there because I think he can work anywhere as a teammate. He'll he'll figure out a way. But I think if I'm Indiana, I would rather have him than staying shorter with my backcourt and then overpaying, I think, for a Hayward um and paying that money. But that's just Indiana for me. Um so in this version. Uh, Elliot, you get to be David Griffin. So, right. you know, let's let's hear your thoughts from the Pelicans' perspective on these deals. Cool. Well, if we're talking that two-way, the, the two-team deal that's sending Karis, Jarrett Allen, and Torian Prince out picks to New Orleans, I, I got to have picks there. I, I think that if you got 13 and 19, you can package those, maybe move up a little bit further. I don't know how high you're going to be able to move up with those picks if, if you're trading. Um, but obviously for a lot of Pelicans fans, for a lot of us, Karis has to be on the table, whether it's a two team trade or a three team trade. Um, I, it just doesn't get done without Karis. 
I like the addition of Allen. I know Zach Lowe said on his podcast that he doesn't think that's going to happen, but um, I am not Zach Lowe at the moment. I am David Griffin. So I, I think I'm going to want that 19th pick also. And in exchange for the 19th pick, offer up Darius Miller because you're losing shooting from Karras. Uh, that adds some depth to your roster. And, um, I mean, the, the Pels have to take Torian Prince to make the money work, but but there you go. Um, in terms of the three-team trade, I kind of got lost in all of it, but uh, <laughs> chances are I'm going to be A-OK with whatever Fish said. So um, I, I think that – well, obviously, Karras is going to, like we said, have to be involved, whether it's two-team or three-team. I think the Pels – if if the Hawks are involved, you got to come away with that sixth pick. Hopefully, come away with with Dwayne Dedman. I think he'll be a solid complementary four to Zion. Kevin Herter shooting, adding shooting never hurts. Um, and then you look at the the Pacers getting involved. You got to come away with Miles Turner. Um, and Karras would more than likely end up in Indiana. I think he'd fit well there. Uh, again, Karras, like you said, going to Atlanta. Yeah, you figure it out. Um, I am playing opposite with, with Trey Young, but from Griff's perspective, I have to add the 19th pick and, and maybe exchange Darius Miller in there um, for the second, the second, uh, or the, excuse me, the two team trade. And then the three team trade, it, as long as the Pels end up with, with Turner um, and the sixth pick, if the Hawks are in bar brick, well, you can't do that. <laughs> um, if it's a fourth team trade, the Hawks and Pacers are both involved. You come away with Turner in the sixth pick maybe plus Herter or, or plus Deadman, uh, I'm okay. Uh, and I can walk away with that and be happy um, and even giving up Drew Holiday. Would you, if, if, if um, Nicola Melli was asked for. Um, oh, you can have him. That's okay. All right. So Ali, since you are the Nets, um, what are you thinking? Oh, I would love to add Drew Holiday for those guys because According to reports, Kevin Durant now wants Sergio Baca to end up um, in Brooklyn as well. So there's even less of a need to keep Jared Allen around, who's obviously not happy, who wants out. So for Sean Marks, I think this is a win-win deal. The only thing I would probably try and maybe keep is Torian Prince, because I don't know who else you have as a defensive long wing that you can rely on that's currently not on the roster anyways. But other than that, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there's there's no qualms at all. I think from his perspective, but I think that's why we've kind of soured on it. I mean, you guys remember just, you know, I, I can't remember exactly how many months ago, but we were talking about would even Levert be included in any kind of deal for Drew Holiday. But now it just doesn't seem like you include Levert and a few others that that may, that doesn't look like that'll be the best deal for the Pelicans. So it's just interesting to see how things have changed. Uh, if you're just looking at it from that point of view, but no, for the Nets, I think it would be an absolute gold mine to walk away. Uh, Drew Holiday. Plus, you're keeping him away from possibly ending up on the Boston Celtics or maybe another competitor. So, yeah, for, for the Nets, th- this is outstanding. You've already got your two stars. You got other good pieces. So to grab in Drew Holiday for a few of them that you're not going to be able to resign anyways, right? I mean, I know you've got Karis LeVert long term, but chances are you're not resigning Jared Allen for sure. And Torian Prince, yeah, like I said, I've already told you my thoughts on him. So for Sean Marks, it's a total win-win. And even Dinwiddie's contract being short, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to afford him. Yeah, I didn't even talk about him because I was into- strictly yeah. thinking a three-teamer deal. Or excuse me, what? What the? Oh no, no, I was just thinking two two-team deal. Sorry, go ahead, David. Yeah. So I'm just thinking, you know, if Dinwiddie is even if you retain him, you've got to be very careful about the salary balance 
you strike because you may be in position that you, yes, he is absolutely your insurance um, for Kyrie and knowing Kyrie's injury history, you'd want to have that. Then the problem just becomes if, if at the middle of this year, if Kyrie is healthy and he's doing Kyrie things and Dinwiddie's not getting the shots or the minutes that he's accustomed to, then are you in position now that you have him going into the final year of his deal at 11 and a half million, which is very reasonable, 12 million bucks and an unhappy Dinwiddie, then you lose that value. So like, that's the thing that I, that if I'm Brooklyn, it's like Dinwiddie becomes, it's such a difficult read because if you give him up now, yeah, you give enough depth. If you wait later, you may not get as much. The thing about Dinwiddie too, is that if Kyrie gets hurt in for an extended amount of time, Dinwiddie comes out, balls out again, scores over 20 points a game this season, then he has all the incentive to leave and get paid because yep. he's got, he's, he's uh, I think his player options worth $11 million this up, not this coming season, but the season after that, why would you stay? Like if you can go out and get 20 plus million, which I think he could one of those bad teams, I don't know, like uh, maybe Detroit or something like that, even though he already played in Detroit. Uh, why wouldn't you? No, there's going to yeah. be so much money flying in that free agency. He's definitely opting out. Oh, absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, he'd, be, he'd be 28 years, 29 years old, about almost 29 at that point. And that's going to be his last big deal. Get the bag, man. Get the bag. But I'm yeah. just wondering, though, would, would if you're Sean Marks, wouldn't you probably rather send Spencer? Because you've got Drew for backup, you know, ball handling behind Kyrie. And, of course, Kevin Durant can handle the ball a lot. And you know they're going to get some kind of vet. Right, vet point guard too that they can bring in for the men. So I don't know. Do you keep Prince or Dinwiddie? Which one do you prefer if you're Sean Marks? Because for the reasons you just stated, David, I would actually be linked to wanting to sell high on Dinwiddie. Right, that's what I'm so saying. Prince like, seems I'm like he'd be more valuable about... for their roster. Because at least with Prince, you still get perimeter defense with some length. Um, yeah, he can play it... four. He can grab you some rebounds. Yeah, he can. He's and, like he, and he shoots. Perfect... He's a decent three point shooter. He and was he doesn't, a much he, better one. Didn't he slip last year? He slipped. But he's going to get a lot easier looks coming up. And the thing yeah, that true. when I'm looking at it, what, what Prince gives the Nets and why they would want to keep keep him is he can lighten the load for Kevin Durant, especially mm-hmm. in the regular mm-hmm. season. Like on the defensive just, end, particularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just you know, just just cruise, just be a seven foot one, you know playing free safety, block some shots, chill. That's a great point, David, because otherwise you're relying on what, Musa or Kurix off the bench. Yeah. Or so uh, even Joe Harris in switches with, with that. And and I, I would say there are going to be times where Joe Harris just isn't tall enough on those switches. And at least with Prince at 6'7", with a little bit more length and a bit more physicality, of course, you'd rather be switched. Cause I think you're going to have to switch Durant a lot right now, this first season back just mm-hmm. to make sure that you're not overtaxing him on that end of the floor. Let me, let me toss out my, my, my big four teamer that I had on the, okay. of, yeah. because I, I feel like this one makes a, the most sense. So the Pelicans send out Drew holiday and their 13th pick. So they're going to send Drew holiday to the nets. The Nets are going to send out Lavert and Garrett Temple. They're going to send both of those guys to Atlanta. All right, so Atlanta's getting a backup point guard, and they're also getting Lavert, who has upside. He's going to be – he plugs right in to be their starting shooting guard. He also is going to help 
the times when Trey Young goes to the bench, he can operate their second unit. If they stagger that a little bit, he's going to raise their ceiling quite a bit. Atlanta, in return, is going to send New Orleans, Herder, and Denman. Um, they already have Capella um, at the center, and they're getting um, Lavert, who's a, a substantial upgrade over Herder, who's going to be coming to New Orleans. So they also have to attach the sexy asset, the big thing that the Pelicans want, which would be the sixth pick. Yep. Now, the the Nets are also going to send out Jared Allen, but New Orleans isn't going to get him because they're getting Deadman from Atlanta. So the New Orleans routes Jared Allen to the Rockets, who don't have a center, who have a team that's going to be in substantial turmoil and might be looking to be a little bit more conventional and save money in the process because their owner is a slumlord of restaurants. <laughs> um, and so the, the, the Pelicans are also going to route their 13th pick there. And so, you know, the Rockets can pick uh, a wing and Aaron Nesmith or some, or uh, Devin Vassell, if he's available, somebody like that um, to be another shooter around James Harden. And they're going to ship Russell Westbrook to the Knicks. You're welcome, Grub. I hope you enjoy that experience. <laughs> and so the Pelicans, what they're going to get on this is they're going to get Herder, which solves short-term at least the shooting guard situation because you're sending out Drew Holiday. You're getting the sixth pick from Atlanta. That's the big sexy thing, and that's why Atlanta's getting Karis LeVert, the, the big the blue-chip prospect. Um, you're going to get Denman, who is a temporary plug at the center position, and – you know, Atlanta has tons of cap space. They can chase after all the guys we were talk. We would talk about um, the Pelicans chasing after Aaron Baines, um, Alex Len, all of these, you know, serviceable big men that they could get for relatively cheap to be behind Clint Capella, who's their, who's their starting center. And then the Rockets in their desire to save money for their billionaire owner, who's applying for um, COVID-19 loans. Uh, Tillman Furtada, he's going to send out Robert Covington to save some money because um, he can't pay his employees um, to the Pelicans as well. And now the Pelicans have solved their biggest question, which is we don't have any big wings. So they get the sexy asset in six. They get a short-term answer um, at center with Denman. They get um, a, a medium-term answer at the wing defensively and Robert Covington, and they also get Herter, who su substantially increases their size on the wing, and also he has some creating ability. Um, I wrote about this in my dream scenario that posted a couple days ago. It's been an annual column. Your response? Yeah, let's let's go through it, guys. What what do you, uh, Elliot? I'll let you lead off. What what do you think about that? I mean. I think it's a four-way win when you look at it. I mean, the, the Pels walking away with Covington. They could get that uh, combo guard, possibly Hayes at six. I don't think Akungu is going to fall that far. But in exchange, you get Dwayne Dedman, who is, I guess, technically a center. I don't know how tall he is. but 6'10". Um, 6'10". Okay, then he's a center, and he can space. He's a good shooter. You got Herter, who can, who can shoot, too, and he's under a two-year, $2.7 million contract. You're looking at that for the Pels. I think across the board, that's that's a win for them. Um, and, and you're not really – I mean, you're giving up the 13th pick. Drew kind of seems to be – I mean, he's, he's, well, he's halfway out the door anyway. That's that's just where we're at now. And uh, you're really not giving up that much. And you're getting 
I don't want to say a haul, but you're getting a, a pretty good return for it. For the Rockets, I mean, <laughs> fish hit it. Fertitta is is pretty cheap, and you're getting good value at, at 13. There's there's somebody's gonna fall. Somebody's gonna fall to 13. Allen is very valuable. They're probably not gonna pay him. They'll let him walk in free agency, but for the short term, that adds a center to your roster, so you don't have a bunch of guys who are six six and under anymore. And uh, that gives some for for Steven Silas to work with. The Nets, you get your your defender and Drew complimentary star. For the Hawks, you get Levert. Three years, $16 million. That's that's worth it. You get your backup guard and Temple. It's a win across the board for everybody, if, if, I, uh, if I have anything to say about it. Yeah, and to get Deadman, again, his contract is only $13.3 million per year over yep. the next two years. So, you know, this year and next. So, you know, that again, that contract, considering what centers are going for, and the fact that he's a relatively durable guy who, like you said, can shoot and has a decent rebounding percentage, um, at the very least, is an upgraded center uh, than what you have on the roster now. Um, then, yeah, I think it, it's a, it's a if all four teams are willing to do it, yeah, I like it, Ali. The most part, yeah, David, I do like this trade a lot. Fish, well done. The only two things I'm going to bring up is one from Griffin's perspective you kind of don't like that Deadman and Covington are going to be encroaching on any 2021 free agency plans it just feels like like I've been saying New Orleans has some kind of big plan so you just wonder will that hinder it Ollie, but from a talent let, perspective let me jump in on that let me jump in on that Ali the second yeah. year of Deadman's contract completely uh-huh. unguaranteed oh Oh, that changes. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Well then I don't really have that much of a concern. The other one I want to bring up is I, if any team out of these four may complain a little bit, I feel like it would be Atlanta. I don't think that they're getting enough, right? You're walking away with Levert and Temple, if I understand, but you're giving away Herder, the number six, um, Deadman. And I think that was it, but I feel like maybe Atlanta would just ask for a little bit more. That's it. Other than that, I I do like the road pick. Do you have you added a, a pick maybe? In I thought about two or twenty three right, to place their loss of Deadman, but yeah, I don't know. And so I think something small would work. Yeah, Pelicans have plenty of seconds. Yeah, I don't even. You know have a lot Atlanta of seconds, but it may. Seconds. I mean, even a protected. If you really wanted to make the deal, you know, the Pelicans do have an abundance of picks, so it's not like you can no, do I'm a swap. A, I'm saying you could do a swap in a different year. If that, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But, but no, it's it's a good overall deal. I like that that fish included Houston because I think it's right up their alley on what they should be doing. Houston is desperate to pick and they do have to get under real legitimate center. Yeah, it's, if they're going to keep Harden, I think that's a smart plan for them. Yeah, yeah. It seems as if everybody else in Houston wants out, whether it's Austin Rivers, whether it's every, I mean, like it's bad. It, I mean, I, I understand it's about for Todd. For uh, I keep saying for Todd, I want to say for Todd. <laughs> Tell me for Tito, <laughs> the Frito Bandito. Um, <laughs> but I just I, it just seems that that culture is so bad that the only way Houston can make itself better is by trying to do a bunch of different small deals and getting these pieces back in return at, at ways that you can eventually upload offload them um, but yeah if I'm Houston I'm looking for anything right now because who met Steven Silas got to feel like man what the hell have I walked into Dude, don't you have to keep James Harden there? I mean, I know the guy no wants to get – Yeah, he's got to keep him to keep fans happy enough and keep, you know, people in Houston and, and, and China engaged in the team. I just yeah, don't think the return I mean, is there for I, Harden. 
I, I think the I think that this deal is really good for at Houston in the short term. Yes, because you're saying we're going to offload Westbrook someplace, and we're going to mm-hmm. probably get some role players or mm-hmm. not terribly great contracts. But you have Jared Allen, so you have like that. That's an NBA center. You can start Jared Allen. You can start Jared Allen at every game. The idea that Brooklyn wanted to start um, DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan over Jared Allen is absurd on its face. Like Jared Allen is a superior basketball player in all respects, other than not best friends with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Like exactly. that's that's the extent of his qualifications. And then if you're Houston, you're also getting a lottery pick in a draft that's pretty heavy on shooting wings, which mm-hmm. I mean, they, they promoted within um, for their GM. So still, I mean, if, if Aaron Naismith's on the table for, for them, when they come on the clock, they have that pick. And since they've mortgaged so much of their future, wouldn't it be nice at least short term to have one rookie come in on a first, that's, exactly. you know, a first round pick. And you're not going to ask him to do anything more than, you know, what he would hope to do, which is just stand in the corner, shoot some threes, learn how to play NBA defense there. I mean, Houston, despite the fact that everything feels like it's coming apart at the seams, um, they still have a good front office because they were promoting within. I mean, the rest of those guys were there. I mean, Maury, Maury's not doing the job by himself. Let's not give him too much credit. (laughs) And then, I mean, they're hiring a great staff. I mean, they've got Silas jr. Um, a little bit of Pelicans news here. They hired Will Weaver, who was going to be possibly an assistant coach for New Orleans. Um, and then John uh, Lucas you know, is still there because he's really good and close with James Harden. Yeah. So I it mean, make, it makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a good wrap there. Um, I think that again, Brooklyn is somebody that everybody is very high on. Um, so I think all of us, would I be wrong in saying a, you want we we all want to make a deal with Brooklyn and be that they'd be one of the favored, um, the top two three partners, right? Yeah, yeah, and some and some kind of multi team deal, absolutely. Yeah, I want to throw. Oh, well, go ahead. I was just gonna say, you know, Ollie was talking about getting maybe a pick or something for the Hawks. I was gonna say this, and then the conversation kind of transitioned. But before we move on to the next thing, or, or before you, you say what you needed to say there, Grub, mm-hmm. I was gonna say the Nets could give up their nineteen pick. I mean, there's going to be a ton of ring chasers that are willing to sign exceptions in, in Brooklyn. So you don't necessarily need a young guy to come in. And if the Hawks take 19, they're looking to get veteran presence, a little bit older there. They take Desmond Bain. That guy's a shooter at 19, and he can play defense. I mean, basically any of the guys that I that I listed around 19 for the Pels, if you want to go high ceiling, you get Tyrese Maxey there. Um, you can get Isaiah, uh, excuse me, Isaiah Stewart, who – Derek Murray's really high on Stewart uh, is, is a big who can shoot and he can protect the rim. I like so, Patrick Williams at 19. I don't think they're going to get, Oh no, there. not at 19. No, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, he won't be there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, there's a lot of options for them at 19 to, to get better. If, if the nets are willing to part with their, with their 19th pick. Yeah. Uh, and, and what's interesting for Houston is they may be pushed really hard because um, what would you just posted that the market for, Westbrook is very slow and that's not a surprise because he said Houston's gonna have to give more than just Westbrook like nobody's gonna just take what Russell Westbrook you're gonna have to give something else and they don't have picks so it's like they're gonna have to trade something 
as much as they can to get stuff back because they don't have picks, they don't have space, and Russ is going to be they, – they're going to have to make a move before they move Russ. Well, not only that, Houston's going to get saddled with a bunch of garbage that they don't want either. So That's what I'm saying. It's it's They're bad. trying to avoid that, it's but bad. there's no way to avoid that. Yeah. No, not if you're give, they're giving out $40 million in salary there. And, and you're talking about, well, I, I saw somebody and, and post what? It was going to be Westbrook to – to um, the Clippers for some very good pieces like Pat Beverly and Paul George. I don't understand why they would do Paul George for James for Russell Westbrook. That sounds Scoop B-ish right there. That's the problem. <laughs> Russell Westbrook for James. Oh, I mean Russell Westbrook for for the Clippers. Like that just doesn't seem to make sense alongside Kawhi Leonard, alongside what they have there. It just feels like that just, that doesn't help them at all. I understand their problems with Paul George, but I think you can minimize George. If you have to keep him, you can figure out how to work around his issues. Harden becomes the focus of your team, no matter where he goes. Where I like Westbrook to end up possibly is a Charlotte, you know, Michael Jordan, he he loves doing stupid shit. So I could foresee him (laughs) doing that. There and and the New York Knicks are the only two places. The Knicks would do it just to sell some tickets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they can sell at this rate, but I just saw that they're interested in Gordon Hayward too. So who is? Because the Knicks got a shitload of cap space and shitload of players that they can move who are on expiring deals. Why are you adding a thirty-year-old freaking wing that's on a thirty-four million dollar expiring? That is so Knicks. It's the Knicks, yeah. Like they're they're yeah. just desperate. But they're supposed to, have to be anybody, right? Leon Rose. I mean, I thought this guy's supposed to have at least some kind of a plan. I don't know. Look, man, Gordon Hayward was listed as a power forward, and when the Knicks see power forward, it's power <laughs> you gotta have it. You gotta have power. Forwards. That's so true, Fish. If you don't have yeah. seven power forwards on that roster at all times, it's just not. <laughs> Did gonna you hear work. where? Yeah. Toppin's like got a guarantee to go there, right? If he drops to oh there, god, eight, please, no! It's like a guarantee. I was laughing. No, <laughs> no, no! It's just that's like Julius Randall again. No, well, he's better than Randall, I think. But it's just funny. It's the power. Not, not, not that much. Like I, I think he's got a better pro. I, I think he's going to be better than Randall. He's you also twenty-two, so he's not next old. year, David. But down the road. But do you think he's a twenty-ten guy? Because at the very least, Randall is a twenty-ten guy with a bad team. Do you what think top about? We had him and he stopped rebounding for us for like three last Oh, he gave months. up the rebounding, absolutely. Yeah, he gave it up. He didn't do anything but try and score. That was it. Because yeah. he was trying anyway. to get paid. He was he was trying to get paid and get the Knicks to give him a stupid deal. That's what he got. Yeah. So it worked all out. All right, let's not rehash right. that terrible. Yes, we've we, 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 we've wrapped on our series, so we've done them all. Um Ollie's gonna again put together a wrap-up of this. And I guess as a conclusion. Um, Ollie, we're going to post the trade suggestions on one thing and let folks vote on them on, on our site. Yeah, I couldn't decide whether we want to do it like that, just post it on social media or us even talk about it. Well, maybe we should post it on Twitter. Let's 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 can see react and maybe we could pod on it. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll Whatever see. you guys want to do. We'll figure it out. But going into uh, as we're approaching, the draft gets closer and closer. We're only five days away. So if you have a chance, go back and not just listen to this one, but listen to the three previous ones. Um, Elliot, you've got some stuff coming up for uh, the Believe podcast? Uh, I'm sure that we'll get somebody from the Celtics to continue the Drew Holiday trade series. Uh, the, you know, we're, we're keeping up with the draft and stuff like that, too. We'll probably have one more pre-draft podcast. Uh, coming up here soon 
whether it's with Ethan Piotr, Derek Murray, maybe day of. Um, also, I'll be on ESPN 1420 with uh, Word with G with uh, him and Sam Dusenberry Jr. On, on Wednesday to do a pre-draft thing. So pretty excited about that. But we'll always have content for, uh, for the listeners on Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. That's for sure. And Ali Fish, you guys got something coming up soon? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to post, like you said, the recap of this, but I'm also going to give kind of like my big board or what I hope the Pelicans are chasing because with all the rumors flying, they want a top pick in their arsenal on who they may be looking at, at least my good guess. Fish? Or you just go keep writing? I mean, I'm going to keep writing and keep tweeting um, all these trade proposals, but thankfully we'll get to the point where trades actually happen. Um, Right. The the moratorium, they haven't reported that the exact time where it's going to lift, but something like 72 hours is the expectation around the league. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, this time next week, not only will the draft be um, concluded, but by this time next week, free agency will be open. Um, Hopefully as Pelicans fans, we will already be hearing about the fact that Brandon Ingram has agreed to an extension. I mean, uh, you know, a new contract, Josh Hart has agreed to an extension. I mean, Within seven days, I would expect that Drew Holiday is probably going to be traded. The Pelicans have added at least one, if not more than one player in the draft. I mean, the next seven days, this roster is going to have a thorough make thorough makeover. And I, uh, on Hard to Paint, my podcast on Monday, Antonio Daniels, uh, broadcaster for the Pelicans, will join me and we'll discuss specifically um, the draft from his perspective and, and what he thinks the Pelicans are going to do. So a busy um, week ahead for the for everyone associated with the bird rights and the bird calls. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe and rate and share. Um, and we, we love doing these. Um, this one was a little bit harder. We've said this offline than doing AD trade packages because of the ways, way we feel about Drew and understandably the way f- fans feel about Drew as well. But it was something we needed to do, something we had to do, and I'm glad we did it. So for the guys, for Elliot, for Fish, for Ali, I am David Grubb, and this has been another episode of The Bird Calls. Until the next time, let's go Pels. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today all right now we are recording so shut up